Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, brought to you as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will help you fight that legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, guys? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, why not be depressed? <laughs> I would be the non-sexy one, Mount McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 286, The Day the Season Died, is what we're going to title this podcast. And you know what? We would ask that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. But I don't know how much of that you're going to get tonight because... Look, we're going to get into this. The Cowboys, who looked god-awful, atrocious, shame on you to Jerry and Steven and for the Cowboys front office of trying to act like you you believed this was going to be different than what it was. And then, I mean, Jacques and I, we're recording this immediately after the game late on Sunday night. And the breaking news for us, which most of you will realize by the time you hear this, Dak Prescott has something in his hand, a broken hand, something. He is out for several weeks and will need surgery. The season is over. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but, you know, to be honest, I told you I thought they were going eight and nine, and I didn't think they were going to be very good. And I didn't see anything in this first game to make me think otherwise because today was going to be the blueprint for every other game which is your defense is pretty good, even though they played awful against the run today. But they can't hold on forever with no offensive help. So, I mean, this is what you saw today. I mean, you're going to see this on repeat. It was really, really bad tonight. It, it was really, really bad. This I, I can't remember the last time the Cowboys looked this bad on offense in, in all the way around. I, I was trying to think, at least with, in oh. Dak's career, and it seemed like there were a couple of games, like the Denver game where Zeke couldn't get going, right? and they looked really, really bad. Obviously, the Atlanta game where Dak got pummeled. Well, but, don't forget, man, they looked awful that whole stretch where they didn't have, <laughs> guess what, a number one receiver. Yeah, but even then, like, like like tonight, da- th- this to me was the worst game Dak's ever played because yeah, he, he's a he's a seventh year quarterback. I'm and I was a Dak defender. You can't defend what you saw tonight. I don't give a crap if you played in the preseason or not. You're not a third or a fourth year quarterback. You're a seventh year guy making forty million dollars a year in the NFL. You cannot play like that. No, nope, absolutely, positively can't. 
And uh, he was bad today. Uh, I think there are a lot of factors there. But the bottom line is you have to be better than everybody. Remember, you're supposed to bring everybody along this year. And so you can't be bad no matter what the circumstance, be it off poor offensive line, be it you know other uh, receivers out of whack. You have to try to overcome that. And if they drop it, they drop it. But you got to put it in their hands, man. He missed too many wide open throws today. He was bad. He was horrible. He was bad, bad, bad. And and, and we've got a lot of thoughts. We got to collect ourselves. There's a lot of thoughts on what I believe is the last year of Mike McCarthy. I think you're going to see a lot of colossal changes. I honestly, it, and again, Dax out several weeks. What does that mean? Does he miss the next seven games? Let's say I honestly would not be surprised if they're zero and eight when he comes back. Wow. I mean, like, seriously, Cincinnati's going to whip their ass next week. The Giants beat Tennessee today and looked really good doing it and looked like they had some, they looked like they care. Like, they fought on the road to beat Tennessee, who's a good team. Washington won today. Now, I know they played Jacksonville, but Washington looked solid today. You got the Rams coming up. I I mean, I, I don't know that this is a team... And everybody who's tweeting at us tonight, Dak sucks, and he did. He sucked tonight. He was horrible. I think this, personally to me, this is the worst game I've ever seen Dak play. And it's inexcusable. But if you thought Dak's bad, wait until Cooper Rush is your starting quarterback or Will Greer. For week after week after week. Because we've seen this before. And it, it, like, it, it, like when Dak blew out his knee, if he was going to miss the rest of the season, I would put this team as a 5-12 and 12 team max. Right. Because that's how bad the offense looked with Dak. Well, see, what you, what you got to remember is and I've got, a, I've got the Chris Collinsworth issue. I've got a slight cold. But what you got to remember is, man, Cooper Rush played good against Minnesota last year. No doubt about that. But who did he do it with? He did it with Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. He did it with CeeDee Lamb. He did it with Michael Gallup. He did it with Dalton Schultz. Now he's going to try to do it with CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown and, you know, whoever else they cobbled together, Dennis Houston and, you know, whomever. He's not going to look the same, bro. Their offense is not going to look the same, and they've got some big-time problems. They've got some huge, huge problems, and unfortunately for the Cowboys, they can't do what a lot of people who can do when they, they get hurt or injured. They, they can't call Greening Law <laughs> and, and go through the free consultation and, and see if Greening Law wants to bring them on as a client, but you guys can if you've been hurt. If you were hurt on the injured on the premises of a business like Dak was tonight, or if you were injured in a car wreck this weekend, Greening Law is the team that you can call. They bring you on as a client. Many of you are aware that I've been working with them for well over a year, and, and they handle, and I tell you guys this all the time, and it's really blown me away, they handle the headaches. Like, I can tell them, they go, they check in with me all the time. Hey, Matt, how's the back? Did that last procedure give, give you any relief? You know, we're trying to think of some different things because they've got the expertise in how to handle these. Why don't you go to this type of doctor? Why don't we send you over here to this chiropractor? Why don't we do this to see how can we help you get better and we'll handle all the crap behind the scenes? And they do all that for you. Bro, that's why if you've been involved in anything, you just need to pick up the phone. Don't try to figure this thing out yourself. Pick up the phone. Give them a call. You know the number by now, 972-934-8900. And just say, hey, here's my circumstance. What do you think? The thing I love about them is they don't get paid unless you get paid. So you know they're working for you. You know they're grinding for you. And they help walk you through what is awfully, oftentimes a complicated kind of tedious process. It is, man. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now, offices Dallas, Texas. 
This Cowboys offense, man, this is, and I want to, because there's so many layers of this, and it's it starts at the very top. And I'm going to replay something that we played for you. I want to say it was last week, just to remind everybody about this. And we played this, and this is why the blame starts with the front office, because they are 100% delusional trying to ask all Cowboys fans to believe in stuff that we can look at and go, what are you talking about? Like they they are literally holding up a a a white flag in front of your face and they're going this is blue do you like this blue color yeah like, the hell are you talking about that's white no you may think it's white my friend but I am telling you it is blue and they tell you and tell you and tell you and you go I mean my God you're looking around at people is that like that's that flag, is that flag blue is it and so let me play this clip from Jerry on the radio last week and listen. Because the blame starts in the front office because they knew it was going to look like this. I have to believe one and one is three. I, I can't, I can't uh, operate where one and one is two. Now, we all know it is uh, physically. But uh, the three is where you have to go. Now, you have to have optimism to operate out in that world and commit and do things when you got to count on one and one being three. And I'm just going to stop it right there. That is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys telling you that what we all can look at on the field that we all knew was going to happen tonight, and we all sit there and go, Jacques and I have been telling you this for four months, ever since they got rid of Amari Cooper in March, and then they went through the draft, and we could look at this and go, this team's got a problem. And the owner of the team, the week before their opening game, is asking all of you to believe, hey, guys, I know you might look at this and be like, this team's going to be shitty, but I'm asking you to... One and one can be three now, can it? And we're all going, what the hell are you talking about, Jerry? That's what's happened to this franchise. They got us. This this is bad, man. This is What we saw on the field tonight is inexcusable. Yeah, the players played bad and Dak played bad, but it starts at the front office. No, it did, man. I mean, I've been saying, and I'm not alone in this, okay? Anybody who follows the team, especially at the professional level, um, you can just look at it and go, what are y'all thinking? We've seen this thing before. How could you take an offense that was really, that was one of the best in the league last year and take parts away and not replace them with better parts? I mean, it's just, and then the guy you draft, um, he can't even beat out a journeyman for, for a starting position. Um, and then you wonder why it fell apart. And I think Tyler Smith played okay tonight. Uh, Terrence Steele, Lyle Collins replacement. All I know is he had four penalties. I mean, come on, man. You should get your ass this, cut for that in the NFL. Four penalties? What is wrong? This is, um, bro, I'm just going to be real with you. It's already time to uh, to figure out who, what the draft is for next year because they're going to get a top five pick. Uh, they're not going to have the offense to, uh, to compete. And at some point, that defense is going to get worn down from carrying them. And it's just going to turn into a disaster after disaster after disaster. It's going to be very interesting. Talk. Well, and, and that's what happened tonight. I mean, I mean, this is a team. Micah Parsons probably took by himself 14 points off the board because he had two third down sacks when Tampa had driven the ball. And that's a concern about this defense, too. Let's not overlook this. Yeah, the defense shored up when Tampa got into the red zone and deep into the Cowboys side of the field. They also allowed Leonard Fournette to run six times for 10 yards or more. He was you know gashing what, them in the run game. You know what the problem was, bro? And um, it was really evident to me without having gone back and looked at it. Uh, Diggs has got to, I mean, 
he's got to do better in the run game, bro. Because they're just pulling people at him, and he's just bailing. You know, the, the deal is you got to sacrifice your body. You got to cut the lineman and hold him up, bring him down so at least everybody doesn't come to the ball. But he runs backwards, bro. And that just creates these these huge holes. And they just started attacking him, and that perimeter run was there. Um, everybody's going to see that. It was a problem last year, but, dude, they got they got problems, man. They got big-time problems. I don't know how they're going to solve them. It'll be interesting to see how Jerry reacts because, um, you know, this is going to be a disaster season. And whenever there's a disaster, bro, somebody pays the price. Now, maybe it's just going to be Mike McCarthy. And this is your way of um, trying to entice somebody else to come. Maybe it meaning is. Sean, I mean, meaning Sean Payton. But again. But then you got to give up draft capital that can this team look at that and say, oh, what we have now, we can afford to give up the draft capital. And that's something that a lot of people tweeted at us tonight, being like, Sean Payton, Sean Payton. He's still under contract to the Saints. Right. And They're so not giving them away for free. Right. Like the, the Cowboys would have to trade, I would imagine, at least two first round picks to be able to get Sean Payton from the Saints. And what I, when I look at this team, I don't know if you can afford to give that up. No, you can't because you're going to be picking high. But the other thing is, man, um, Sean Payton has had a lot of control where he's been. You're not going to have that kind of control here. And so he may not even want to come here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, may, he very well may not, man. I mean, he may want to go somewhere where he's got control. Because you're not going to have it here. You're only going to have so much control in Dallas. Yeah, and, and it's there's just so much here, man, when you look at this. And before we get into all the particulars outside this with the DAC injury and the implications, if you just go back and you look at this game, trying to find bright spots, obviously Micah Parsons was phenomenal tonight, as he usually is with the two sacks that took points off the board. You know, Tank on that third and one on Tampa's first drive where he blows right past the guy trying to, to block him and hits for a loss and they hold him to a field goal. There were some bright spots, I thought, obviously defensively. But like you pointed out, when the offense is this bad and you have to time and time and time again, somehow, some way, Dallas held Tampa on their first five drives to five field goal attempts. You know, it, 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 was, it was amazing. They missed one because, of them. And so instead of 15 to three, it was 12 to three. And it felt like a game that was 35 to three. That's what I'm telling you. It felt like a blowout. And I kept going, well, they're in here. But the flip side of that is no matter what the defense did, good, bad, or otherwise, you're like, can the offense do anything? Are they, can they really do anything? And, you know, the problem, man, is – and. Again, ain't nobody making excuses for Dak and his raggedy Rudy Poop performance today. The problem is when you have guys that can't separate, you don't have any clean windows to throw into. When you have an offensive line that's shady, you can't even drop back long enough to throw deep. So you can't stretch the field and open it up. So it gets a lot tighter, a lot more compressed. And then when it's tighter and more compressed, you got guys who can't get open. There ain't no throwing windows. And when there were a few windows, he missed them. Mm -hmm. And that's why it was what you saw tonight. Yeah, that, that was the thing. I mean, Collinsworth, Collinsworth almost seemed like just stunned. You know, and these guys are high enough off in the booth where they can see all 22 and they can see how the plays are unfolding and whatnot. He mentioned multiple times throughout the course of the game how the Cowboys receivers were not getting separation. 
He's like, Dak, no. has, Dak has nowhere to throw to. And what do you expect? You got C.D. Lamb, who again, and he mentioned this a couple of times, like, look, there's two or three white or two or three defenders in the neighborhood of C.D. Lamb every time. Why? Because they don't give a shit about the other receivers on this team. And they couldn't get they couldn't get separation even with C.D. Lamb taking defenders away from them. Well, I tweeted it out, man. I think it was early in the fourth quarter. It's fourth and two. And you're throwing the ball to an undrafted free agent. <laughs> yeah, Dennis Houston's from the Western answer. fucking Illinois. I mean, my not, God. Not an undrafted free agent from Alabama or Ohio State or USC or Oklahoma. An undrafted free agent from Western Illinois. And to me, it's symbolic. It's not even about Dennis Houston. Okay, it's not even about him. It's symbolic of that's the situation that you put your quarterback in. You're not throwing to CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup or – or uh, Mari Cooper or somebody on fourth and two with the game on the line. You're throwing to this anonymous guy that none of us could pick out in the lineup unless you went to Western Illinois. That's true, man. And, and it, that's what it is. It's CeeDee Lamb and a bunch of spares. And we told you guys on Friday when we did who's going to win and why. We sat here. What, what did we say? We said the problem is they can take CeeDee Lamb out of the game and you're forcing other receivers who have never played in the NFL before to do something that are undrafted guys, like you pointed out. And the other thing about this is we were sold this, this hill of shit by the Joneses and by Mike McCarthy. Let's call it what it is, man. The first day of training camp talking about, oh, well, right now we're better on paper than we were last year. I, I, ooh, uh, e, I, oh, God. And then what does he continue to do? He tells us and spews all this crap and tells us all this bullshit that they know is exactly that. And he told us, and McCarthy told us, and Stephen told us how excited they were about these young players. And guess how many young players made an impact tonight? None. Maybe, I will give you this, I thought Tyler Smith was serviceable. Right. I don't remember seeing Sam Williams. I, I tweeted out at one point, I said, Is, has Sam Williams played? He wears number 54, and I'd made a point. Because Jalen Tolbert was inactive. You know, their third-round pick. Oh, and then their third-round pick from last year, Nashawn Wright, he was inactive as well. Yeah, the J, you know, the Jalen Tolbert pick was the one who, hey, he's going to come in and help us. And again, man, I was just like, and I'm, I'm not taking shots, but it's, it's what it is. You get a third-round pick from Alabama or one of the Power Five places, then they've played at a certain level of competition in the, in the, in the game change from the NFL is not quite as fast for them so you can see how a third round pick from one of those places might be able to come in and make a difference but we're talking about a third round pick from South Alabama man so he's got to make like another jump and then they jump after that to get to the NFL level and you just I mean the expectations for a guy like that have to be limited as opposed to they raised him and then they're like, oh, well, he's not what we thought he was. Well, now everybody looks at him like, oh, he's just a buster. Well, we should have known he wasn't going to contribute early because the jump is so much for him, man. It's, uh, I've said a thousand times this offseason, bro. They made some of the more curious decisions I've ever seen. And I think we can all go back. I think they just, I think a lot of it was Jerry driven because he got pissy. And you can't be making decisions when you're pissy. Because typically they aren't good. Yeah. And it cost them. And, and now you and, and we and all of us are getting to enjoy this, whatever this crap is that they're going to try to roll out there 
on a weekly basis. And, you know, halfway through the game, this might have been at the end of the third quarter, I just typed this in my notes. I was like, guess what is happening? Lamb is being bracketed by two to three Bucks defenders. He has a drop on one pass where Dak hits him. He has an obvious pass interference where he throws an elbow to a dude's head for whatever reason. The other Cowboys wide receivers aren't getting separation because they've never played in the NFL before. Has their second round pick Sam Williams even played? And look, maybe he played special teams. It's hard to tell who the hell's out there on TV and special teams. I saw Ferguson, their fourth round pick, was out there for a few offensive snaps. Walensko, another one of their picks, he didn't play unless he was on special teams. Ridgeway and Tolbert, their third and fifth round pick, were inactive. And I didn't see Bland, Clark, or Harper, but I'm assuming they played on special teams. So basically what you're telling me is you drafted one dude who's starting for you and a bunch of guys for special teams. Yeah, but that's but you told us oh, we're getting these big contributions from these yeah, guys. Yeah, that's what you told us was going to happen. And that, again, is why we were looking at you like, what are you talking about, man? It makes no sense. This thing to me has been doomed since the start of the offseason. They started making these these decisions and so i'm not i didn't think it was going to go down like this but i just never have had expectations for the cowboys this season and uh i mean y'all know how i am i've been getting friends and relatives and and people asking me for the last week what do you think and i just go i just don't see how they can be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i mean I, I, we we for, knew for me to yeah. see how the for me to see for them for me to see it I'd have to take just tremendous leaps of faith in several areas. And it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, and we talked about it all the time, you know. And then, like, we talked about the wide receiver group is is horrible. And who knows, when, when Gallup comes back, it wasn't just that we knew he was going to miss two, three games. It's also how many games does it take him to get back up to that game speed? Is it another two, three games? We don't, we don't know. And so if that's the case, how is this offense going to look? We talked about the offensive line. We knew... We knew we had, we literally talked about it. And then what happens? Tyron Smith goes down. Now you have a problem. Then what happened tonight? Connor McGovern goes down. So you've got two dudes who basically have zero NFL experience that were the entire left side of your line. And to be fair, they played okay. But like how much, are they going to be able to do that each and every week? Because they're going to make mistakes as they are learning throughout the course of time. Terrence Steele obviously had a problem tonight. I don't know what that hell. This is not a good offensive line. The Cowboys asked a quarterback who we have seen, never seen be the guy who forces throws, who he, 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 Dak forever would take the open guy. And now they're asking him to force throws. They were asking him knowing that he might get pressured more than he's used to when all we've ever seen from Dak is when he gets pressured, he tends to have really bad games when he gets banged up a lot. Sure enough, that's what happened. And he looked skittish. He looked totally not. He had zero confidence in the pocket tonight. Well, that's, to me, that's the single fundamental thing. He had zero confidence in the pocket, uh, whether it's because he didn't believe in his receivers or he didn't believe in his offensive line. And Dak is a good dude. Uh, So, my point being, he can say whatever he's going to say. And he can try to believe it and make himself believe it. You know, he he wears that uh, bracelet. Uh, be a coffee bean that means change your environment um but dude the reality is his subconscious is like man you know we suck and so he's rushing and you know the thing that the cowboys that i don't understand how they did this man when you have a guy who doesn't really play favorites and who throws to the open receiver or 
or he goes through his read and throws to whoever's supposed to be open, and he takes what the defense gives him, then your receivers have to be a little bit better because, okay, if the, if the, if the progression says go to the number three guy, he's going to that guy. If that guy is me, your eyes are getting the completion have just gone down. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you surrounded him with this, I call him this group of anonymous receivers, you really just just screwed him, man, because when he goes to those guys, who knows if they're going to catch the ball and. Yeah, and there was a couple of plays. I mean, yeah, like obviously the one where he threw behind Noah Brown when he did the pump fake, I, I put that on Dak. He had a couple, one that, that CeeDee Lamb dropped that he should have caught, another one that went right through Noah Brown's hands. That one, I think it was a third down where he threw long to Dennis Houston on a back shoulder. I didn't have a problem with the pass. I think Dennis Houston just didn't make the adjustment that Dak thought he was going to make. That, that, like if that had been Amari Cooper, for instance, I think Dak and Amari Cooper connect right there. I just think Dennis Houston didn't run the the route to the point that Dak thought he was going to run it at. And little Which things like surprise nobody. Right, exactly. And little things like that add up. If you watched Aaron Rodgers today, and I watched that game against Minnesota, Aaron Rodgers is out there with Randall Cobb, who he has a ton of, of connections with. Then he's out there with a bunch of dudes. And that you could tell there were a couple of times Aaron Rodgers would throw the ball and then the receiver didn't realize, oh, I didn't see what Aaron Rodgers saw because they don't have any they don't have that experience. And so you've got a guy like Dak in his seventh year who might see some things and put the ball in a certain spot that these young rookie receivers who have never played in the NFL, they don't read the same things that he's reading. And it takes a long time to get on that same page. That's I why thought, they say time on task. Exactly. And that took that happened on a couple of those throws tonight. Now, yes, Dak was bad. Even with all that in, in play, Dak had the second worst completion percentage in any game of his career. The only times that he's been worse than this in his career was the 13th game he ever played in as a rookie against the Giants. And he had his third worst quarterback rating in his career. The two previous worst games were one, that Giants game I just mentioned as a rookie, and then a Philadelphia game was his worst of all time. And now this one. Dak was bad tonight. He was bad, but the receivers are bad. The receivers had drops. It's CeeDee Lamb is going to have to figure this out because this is going to be his career now. Unless when Gallup comes back, maybe that'll take something off him if Gallup is healthy and can show that he can get down the field. But but they had, they couldn't even attempt a deep pass tonight. And the couple of times where, where it seemed like they were going to, Dak was under pressure almost immediately. That's, I mean, that's the cycle. You can't throw deep because you can't protect and because you can't protect and throw deep everything gets harder underneath uh it's dude it's just a bad scenario that they're in there's going to be bad with Dak and without Dak it's it's going to be painful man it's yes. going to hurt well and we saw this a couple of years ago we we've seen what this Cowboys team looks like when Dak Prescott doesn't play and for those of you who think he sucks and that he's mediocre at best, you're about to find out how wrong you are, much like you did when Andy Dalton came in as one of the backup and this team sucked ass. We've seen this. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen, except that was with Andy Dalton having guys like Amari Cooper and having Ty, Ty, Tyron Smith on the left tackle side, having better pieces on the team. This is going to be Cooper Rush or Will Greer with a worse team than what Andy Dalton was quarterbacking. And you're about to get a new respect for Dak, whether you choose to admit it or not, because um, they're just, dude, I mean, 
the problems they have so many problems because one one of their issues they don't have anybody to take the top off a of defense and stretch the field even if they could throw it deep. Yep. Yeah, bro, it's gonna be a lot of sad singing and slow walking off the field at AT and T Stadium and wherever else they play because offensively they're just bad and defensively it wears on you when you know you got to be perfect because your offense can't score but fourteen points a game if that. Yes, this is going to be really, really, really bad. Dak is at the podium right now, and he says medical staff told him it appears to be a relatively clean fracture, but they won't have a time frame for sure definitively until he has an exam and surgery is completed tomorrow. So he will have surgery on Monday, and then when we record our next podcast, we'll have a better idea of exactly what we're looking like at here. But this is this is obviously really bad. This is not a good situation for the Cowboys. I will say, you know, it was a weird game because Zeke actually looked good tonight. Zeke had 10 carries for 52 yards, and I don't recall him really getting stopped. I mean, every carry was like four or five. He only had a long of seven, but man, he was he was twisting. He was fighting. I thought Zeke looked good, and I was confused at some points of, of why they didn't try running more. They only had 16 carries by their running backs tonight for a total of 60 yards. You know, man, again... This is the problem. Okay, Zeke is fine. Five yards a carry. Uh, he played pretty well. But here's the problem. All them dumb penalties, man. Um, they're not good enough offensively to overcome even five-yard penalties because now it's second and 11 instead of second and four or second and three. You know, it's third and nine instead of third and four. Um, <clears throat> and they had that several times, man, where they had penalties that took away good plays and turned them into uh, long yard situations on second down or first down. And they're not good enough to overcome that. And so I think what happened is they didn't, and, you know, this is what Jason Garrett used to say all the time, you can't convert on third down, and so you don't get enough plays to be yeah. able to run the ball again or you be able to commit to it or you get a penalty, and instead of getting the first down because it was second and two, you end up with second and nine or second and 12. And so now the drive fizzles. That happened. Uh, that happened to me a lot. I mean, it seemed like that happened a lot. Once I go back and look at the play by play, I'll be able to tell. But they had a lot of those where penalties wrecked the drive, and they couldn't sustain it with running. And the other problem, bro. Now this is a question for you, Matt. Mm -hmm. That we've talked about many times. Do you remember the answer? What leads to points in the NFL? What leads to points in the NFL? Yeah, what kind of plays? Explosive plays. Right. They don't get any out of the running game, and so you can run all day long, man. It ain't leading to no touchdowns because as soon as you get a penalty, your drive is done because you got no explosion in your offense. Yeah, their longest run of the night was that Dak scramble for 12 yards, and their longest pass of the night, they only had one that went for over 20 yards, and that was that one to Noah Brown. So think about that. Out of all the plays that they ran tonight – it was Cowboys ran 64 plays. They had one that went for 20 yards or more. And remember, this is a team that led the NFL in big, big plays and passing last year for much of the season. This is how bad it was. 64 plays, 3.8 yards per play. That's God awful. I mean, that's just atrocious. And, the, and, and Dak, I mean, you talk about how bad a game he had. He averaged 4.6 yards an attempt which is the second worst of his career. 
And, and look, it, we've talked about this many times. Anytime you're getting under seven yards in attempt, that's bad. Anything under five yards is is trash, poop, diarrhea. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Dang. Whatever I mean, I don't say. Just trying to call it what it is. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, looking uh, so we can get the latest information. Dax says medical staff told him it appeared to be a relatively clean fracture but won't have a definitive time frame for a return until the exam and surgery is comp- is completed tomorrow. That's what I just read like three minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. It's late. What can you do? No, it's late, and I'm working off a two-hour sleep, so I'm doing well. Uh, well, here, did you read this one too? J-Ron curses on crutches? I, no, I didn't read that on the podcast, so no, that's good. Well, so they, they lose curse, they lose Dak. But let's go through because we've got a lot of you that listen that are sending in some questions and we'll address some of these. Just what a what a bummer of a freaking night, man. But before we get into that, one thing that could perk you up a little bit is if you've got a bag of your biltong, you could you could munch on that. You can open that up and you can taste it. You're like, oh, my God, this is so much better than the Cowboys. Bruce Biltong. We're the only podcast that he works with, man. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, Bruce Biltong. If you go to BruceBiltong.com, you can order your Biltong, and they will get you set up and taken care of. 15% off your order when you use the promo code JAM15. It's savory. It's tender. It's like beef jerky, but it isn't. It, it's actually a South African meat called Biltong. That's what it is. Well, if you ever wanted to pass for eating emotionally or having emotionally eating, this will do it for you. And what if you're going to eat emotionally, what could be better than Bill Tom, man? Because it's only got 230 calories in the two-ounce pouch. It's got 30 grams of protein. And so, hey, eat a couple of pouches if you need to just to get through this feeling that you're feeling right now with Dak and the Cowboys. Yeah, it's bad, man. It is absolutely just horrible. And it's the only thing that can make you feel better is Bruce Biltong. So order it. <laughs> order it. And you'll feel better. It'll get in the mail. See, because then you'll get excited. Like when you order it, you'll be waiting. And then you'll get the email going, hey, it shipped. And you'll be like, oh, my God, I can't wait. And then you'll be excited. <laughs> so next week at about 5 o'clock when the Cowboys are down 28 to nothing to Cincinnati at home, you can open it up and have a nice middle-of-the-game Biltong snack. That'll be good. <laughs> Sounds good to me, bro. So check it out, BruceBiltong.com. Also, of course, for all of you in Dallas, you can't trust the Cowboys, but you can trust Freeway Tire Shop. Because JR, see, JR is like the op. You know what they should do? They should hire JR to run the franchise. <laughs> and he would streamline it. He'd be honest. He would tell the truth. And you would know that you are not being lied to because he stands behind his work. And if he made a mistake or did something that wasn't up to par, he would admit it and he would, he would take care of it for you. Because that's, that's what JR does at Freeway Tire Shop. <laughs> Think about JR. The reason why I take all my cars there, man, is you can trust him, man. You trust him to diagnose the issue. You trust him to use quality parts to fix the issue, which is a big deal. Trust him to charge you a fair price, which is, you know, for me, okay, that's the biggest deal. And then, man, you trust him to stand behind his work. If you find a mechanic that does all four of those things, then you run to him. He's off of Commonwealth, five minutes from downtown. He's worth the drive because you take your car there and you ain't got to worry about it. And to me, that's the biggest deal. It's easy to find, man. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can check them out online. You can schedule an appointment. You can request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So we'll continue here rolling along. And I wanted to kind of get to some college football before we wrap up as well. Obviously, that the stunning game of Alabama and Texas. But we continue our Cowboys conversation. And many of you 
And you can always tweet at us at McMatt Radio at JJT underscore journalist on Twitter. Clifford had tweeted it. Why do they keep the same game plan from last year of a spread passing attack instead of truly leaning on the run? You know, we kind of talked about that. The penalties that kind of it made the offense, I thought, kind of clunky. And we saw it early on when they didn't commit penalties on that first drive and they were going down the field and we saw some different looks. They really made an effort to get Pollard and Zeke on the field at the same time. Right. And they kind of went away from that as the game went on. And then it became, I mean, at some point when you realize, look, the passing game isn't going to do anything and we have nothing that we can get downfield, it, it just was, it's bad. I mean, okay, why do they keep it? Because they suck. It's bad. And nothing was working for them. <laughs> Yeah, basically. I mean, when you struggle and you end up with a field goal, you don't score a touchdown, man. Whatever you did was bad. Uh, you lost too many uh, one-on-one battles, and uh, you couldn't make any plays. So I'm not sure the game plan really mattered. It's, can I tell you all something? Don't ever forget this. Yes. It's about the players, man. <laughs> I mean, at it's the end of the day, the, yes. It's about the players, bro. Um it ain't about the scheme. It ain't about this. It ain't about that. It's about the players. Players make plays. And players can elevate any scheme. And they don't have enough players right now through their own decision making. They do not. You are correct. And I think at one point tonight, I was watching this game. And I think I even had put out on Twitter, I was like, the reality of it is that their guys are better than our guys. They, they just are, man. And when you get to that point, that's just what it was. Like, there are a couple of plays Julio Jones made, a couple of plays that Mike Evans made, and, and their guys are just better than our guys. True that. And you have to accept that. Uh, but then you have to figure out why are their guys better, and it goes back to decision-making right. that the front office made. So, let's see. Big C tweets in, did you expect for the offense to be this bad? This bad? I don't know that I thought it would be this bad. I, I, I thought when I found out that Gallup wasn't going to play for sure, I thought this is going to be a rough night. Like you and I talked about this on Friday, and we both had the Cowboys not putting up a lot of points. I mean, we both picked Tampa Bay to win. And that's one thing. Like, I'm not actually that surprised. Like, I wasn't that mad watching the game tonight because I thought they would lose, and I thought the offense would really struggle, and they did. I was just more blown away that the front office couldn't look at what everybody else is looking at and had any, and is trying to act like they didn't think something like that would happen. Again, man, we've talked about it several times because it's insulting when they piss on your head and tell you it's raining. Yeah. You're better off just saying we made these decisions for this reason, but that's not the cowboy way. I get it. Uh, but, you know, I told y'all, if, the, if their plans worked, they would deserve all the credit and I would have no problem getting them, giving them their credit. If it didn't work, I had no problem criticizing them. And I'm not making excuses for them, or I don't feel s- sorry for them. I don't have any sympathy for them because they brought it on themselves. I mean, this was really like the dumbest offseason ever. It was. And now you're seeing the results of that. Let's see, who is this? This is Chuck who tweeted in, with Dak needing surgery, do you think they try to get somebody for the next few weeks or stick with Rush? Who would you want to see if they did decide to do that? I don't think that they will. One of my friends had messaged and said, hey, they should try to get Jimmy Garoppolo. I was like, I disagree. This was not going to be a good team with Dak. I don't think that this would be a good team with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know that there's a quarterback out there. You know, maybe with Dak, I thought they could get to nine and eight. And like you said, eight, and nine, seven. I thought the window realistically with Dak 
was seven and ten to nine and eight, and maybe if you could somehow figure it out and Gallup came back, maybe you could get to ten. But Philadelphia was right. going to win the. De- Philadelphia looked phenomenal today. It, well, until Detroit, they started giving up gobs of yardage on the ground. But that offense, man, AJ Brown, he's going to be a real problem, and we knew that. I, Philadelphia is going to win the division. I just don't know. So, okay, is there a quarterback out there you can sign off the street? Well, he's on the street for a reason. Is there a quarterback you can trade for? Do you really want to give up any type of draft capital it would take to get a quarterback of value to come in here so that you might go 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight with this offense? We're not going to get a quarterback of value, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so the answer is no. Besides, man, anybody you bring in, they've got to learn that whole offense. and I mean, it's just... You, you're stuck with what you've got. It's the Cooper Rush, Will Greer show for the next probably two months. And then uh, we'll reevaluate and see where they are. So Andrew tweets in, and he kind of said the same thing. Cooper Rush played well as a backup last year. What are the chances of that happening again? And can the Cowboys stay in East contention by maybe being two and three going into the week, the, the trip to Philly? Look, Cooper Rush played in one game last year, and as we kind of mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, he had Amari Cooper in that game. He played on a better offense last year. So Cooper Rush, I think we kind of saw tonight, he came in and missed some throws, much like Dak did. There is a reason why the Cowboys could cut Cooper Rush. He could have signed with any team in the NFL that wanted him. They didn't even put him on the active roster until today, and nobody wanted him. Right. He's built to be the Cowboys' backup. And uh, now, in his defense, he will get all the reps with the first team this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, man, it's um, it's a uh, it's a situation where you know he'll get he'll at least he'll get enough playing time now that he'll either cement his future as a Cowboys backup, or they'll cut him and be like, okay, you can only you're only so good. Yeah, and and that's what this thing will be. I mean, I think Rush will be in here. You're going to roll forward with him. I mean, what could this thing look like? I honestly do not know. And I wasn't being facetious when I said this. I would not be surprised at all. Now, this defense is capable. They can make some plays. They can get some turnovers. We'll see how that looks. I don't know. But I would not be surprised at all if they don't win a game until Dak comes back. Like, it just – because what we saw from the offense tonight – Okay, you know Michael Gallup's coming back at some point, but we don't know for sure when and when he comes back, what he will look like. How is this offense magically going to get better when Cooper Rush is your quarterback and it's the same thing that we saw tonight? It can't, and that's the problem. Um, You know, we didn't think it was going to be better because you go, okay, they took away Lyle Collins replacing with Terrence Steele. They took away who's a lesser player. They took away Connor Williams and replaced him with with Connor McGovern, who's a lesser player. All right, and you just look, man. Amari Cooper is a better play, player than CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb's a better player than Michael Gallup. And so when you when you stare, stagger those guys, at every position where they change the key player, they're, they're worse on offense. There wasn't any possibility that they could be better on offense. And Jerry would talk about, well, internal improvement, players get better. Yeah, they get better, not the guys that you have, though. They're not going to get better in that sense. And so, bro, it's, uh, I mean, you know, we've seen this disaster coming. Now the disaster is here. It's still kind of shocking and stunning. But we're not, I'm not surprised about it. I don't think you're surprised about it. We saw no. this thing coming, and it's playing out exactly the way 
it it should have played out based on what we saw. Yeah, and and after seeing it tonight, and after listening to Collinsworth describing it, because obviously when we're watching the TV view, you can't see the all twenty two to see how plays are developing down the field. But it really stuck out to me because, and I mentioned this earlier, the fact that he brought it up multiple times on the broadcast. Like, you could tell as a dude who played receiver, Collinsworth is up there going, holy, like, basically, holy shit. Like, I, he almost just seemed, like, stunned. And he, he, But the Cowboys knew that. And he said it on the broadcast. He's like, the Cowboys knew this, this was going to be the case. They were going to go like this. And I don't know why that changes. Now, maybe at some point later in the season, some of these young guys get some experience and they improve. But at this point, when you look at this Cowboys offense, if you're Cincinnati next week and you look at this Cowboys offense, you say, okay, Lamb, then what? And you do, to me, you do, hey, let's just, whatever it takes to make sure CeeDee Lamb is ineffective, what what the hell else do the Cowboys have based on what we saw tonight that you think can get anything done? Nobody, and that's the problem. You know, when, you, you know, when, you, when you're playing teams, you're like, who can bust my ass? Because that's a problem for me. And, you know, you look up, and if it's not CeeDee Lamb, there's nobody's going to bust your ass. You know, Noah Brown is averaging 14 yards a catch. I mean, he had a nice game, a solid game, but he didn't bust anybody's ass. And, you know, I've already heard, well, what about Kevontae Turpin, man? Let him. T-. There's a reason why this dude's a kick returner, man. He's a buck 25. I'm exaggerating. But he's had a long time to find a spot in the league. You can't expect him to come in here and be some real savior difference maker. He might make a play for you here or there. But he's a niche player. Don't try to force him into a full-time role because it won't work. No, and I will say tonight, if if you want to throw out Cavante Turpin just for a moment here, he averaged less than 20 yards a return and only had one punt return for three yards. Really didn't make a lot of people miss. And a couple of times I'm sitting there going, awesome. So now they're starting to drive at the 13 because you decided to try and return a kick. And I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Because in the preseason, again, it's not like a lot of teams are playing their starters. And he looked really good against other teams' backups and third stringers. But when he was out there tonight, he didn't look so great against the real speed in the NFL. So we'll see. Well, it's not just that, bro. It's, you know, your starters – they're going to run down and be disciplined in their lanes and their assignments on this other stuff. When you're trying to make the team and you're a rookie and it's preseason, maybe you're in your right lane, maybe you're not. Maybe, you know, so it's all of that in combined. So, yeah, keep it, keep it in, in, in uh, check. Can he help? Yes. Is he some kind of savior? Nah, don't even think about it like that. No, not at all. And, and so there's nothing to be done. And, and that's as bad as it looked tonight and as horrible as it was, I don't know that there's some quick fix. And again, you look at Kellen Moore. You go, okay, boy wonder. If you're some genius, is is there something you can do with the scheme? I thought they tried that on the first drive where they did some multiple looks and they did some cool plays and whatnot on that first drive. But eventually, you can't just do that the whole game. The defenses also are going to figure that out. You know, how, how many times in a game can you get away with doing stuff like that? And then they go, okay, well, here's that look again. And now we've adjusted because we're the NFL. Well, dude, it was... uh... All I could think of was, you know, okay, you had the whole offseason to put together this script, this drive for this game. And you did it, and it got you a field goal. And then once Tampa Bay saw it, (laughs) that's it. You couldn't put anything else together again. Well, and then, like, uh, what was it? I think it was the second or the third play where they tried that double reverse, and Pollard got blown up for an eight-yard loss. 
and Zeke and Pollard are both out there. Pollard got the ball, and, and they, I mean, they, Tampa saw that immediately and took them down. And, and so it's one of those things where this is going to be an extremely long season, and the Cowboys front office chose the pieces for which they are going to play. Now, obviously, the DAC injury is different, but that's my thing. I, realistically, even if you think Dak is trash, fine, I'm done. I'm not going to defend the guy anymore because in year seven, with the money you're making, you, you flat out have to be better. There are no excuses. I don't know that anyone listening can honestly believe Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott. <laughs> Seriously. And so if, right, right, if right. we can just agree to that, even if you think Dak's no good... Cooper Rush is worse than Dak Prescott, and now Cooper Rush is going to be the quarterback on an offense that we saw tonight. That is not going to be better. That I mean, we'll see what happened with McGovern. What if he can't go? In the inexperience you have on the left side of that line with the right tackle who's going to false start every damn snap. I mean, to me, if I'm defenses, I wasn't kidding. Like, if I'm Cincinnati, I go, okay, well, let's just make sure that C.D. Lamb doesn't get open and the Cowboys will fall start and commit enough penalties offensively and we'll just uh, do what we do. And they can't, they, none of these receivers can separate from our guys because we have first and second and third round talent in our defense. And these are undrafted rookies who have never played in the NFL before. So, uh, yeah, we'll just do that. And, uh, hey, Joe Burrow, hit Jamar Chase a couple of times like Brady did to Mike Evans and Julio Jones and we'll win the game and it'll be 24 to 3. Bro, that's pretty much it, man. They... Uh, I wish I could. I wish I could give y'all some hope, but the reality is, I just don't see it. I mean, there's, I've looked at it a bunch of different ways, and it just all comes up the same, man. They don't have enough players. No, they don't. And again, again, seventeen rookies are on the fifty-three or the fifty-five, however you want to describe. Seventeen rookies. Seventeen guys that tonight played in the NFL. Some of them, some of them didn't play at all. But the ones that did played for the very first time. Next week it'll be the second time. Now, will they be better in weeks 15, 17, 18? Sure. But wh- how? At what point will that even matter for you? And you and I had these conversations all offseason when Jerry kept talking about, "Hey, you know, we're really high on our young players. We got a lot of you. awesome kick ass. What's your record when they start showing up and have adjusted to NFL? Are you zero and eight? Are you 1-11? Well, the problem is, uh, as, you, as you're talking about, every win, every game is going to be such a struggle, man. Yeah. Because the offense is just trash. And, like, even when you get good field position. How would you describe the match? So Donovan Wilson gets an interception at midfield. They can't do anything with it. <clears throat> and the drive style stops. Yep. And, and we saw time and time again – you know, I think in the, at the end of the game, when the game was over, they might have crossed the 50 again. But through the third quarter, as I recall, they only crossed the 50 that one time on the very first drive. They didn't get into Tampa territory. I mean, there were drives where they were like the drive would die at the Dallas 27, at the Dallas 21, at the Dallas 34. And, and <laughs> I mean, you're not even getting first. They were three of 15 on third down the night. And there's nothing coming. Again, Michael Gallup will help at some point, but we have no idea when Gallup will be ready to go. He's probably not playing next week. And at this point, quite honestly, without Dak, who gives a shit? If I'm the Cowboys, I tell Michael Gallup, hey, man, we're just going to put you on pup anyway because it doesn't really matter if you play or not anymore, and let's make sure you're 100% healthy. That's not a bad idea, really. Like, I mean, there's no, you know, there's just no need to rush you back. Um, now, they may look at it and go, 
we got to rush him back just so we can function on offense because him and CD might be able to do something that CD alone just can't do. And so you may have some conversations like that, but bro, it's uh, it's about the draft for me, man. Who do you you know who do you want up there in the top five, top ten? And then at some point, not right now, not right now. It's too soon. Oh, because I was going to ask, do you go ahead and do it? Do what? Get a quarterback. Well, that's my next question was, you know, Dak's been hurt two of the last three years. And so you have to decide as he's as he hits 30, do you want to invest 40 million in him again? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. Another 48 million in him for over four years. <clears throat> or do you say this is the year we we're going to suck? And so C.J. Stroud or your guy from Alabama's there, you know, maybe we end up with one of those guys. I don't know. That's a long way off. But, you know, you can have the conversation now. The way that Dak played tonight, and again, we know that they don't have the pieces. But And I, I had thrown this out there, and maybe it was just me being a weird question, but wondering, are they trying to find out if they want to give Dak another contract or if they need to move forward? He's in his seventh year, man. And again, I, you can't play that way. If you want to be the level of quarterback that we believe you can be, you can't have games like that. I don't give a crap who your receivers are. You cannot play bad. Your receivers can drop balls because they suck. Your receivers right. can run the wrong route because they suck. You can't play that way. And he did. And he was not good. And if that's the type of quarterback that he is, and, you know, maybe we'll have to have a better opportunity to find out because by the time he comes back, the season will be lost and it may not matter. And that's unfortunate, but they're going to have to ask themselves some really tough questions here. Some really tough questions. If going into year eight next year, Zeke's going to be gone. We've talked about this before. Tyron Smith probably going to retire. Zach Martin's not going to be too far behind him. Now you got to look at this and say with this young group with CeeDee Lamb and Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons as the trio that, w- that we think we can build around moving forward, do we need to go out and get a young quarterback on one of those rookie deals and try to hit on that? Because to me, and I, this is another thing that blew my mind, if you really believed that Dak was the guy, why the hell did you invest that money in him and take away his weapons? Bro, so one of the... Uh... That's the $64,000 question. <laughs> like, no, and, no one's know, doing that. No one's doing that. Everybody's adding weapons. <laughs> I mean, teams are going out of their way to add weapons, get their quarterbacks, whatever they need to thrive and succeed. And Cowboys are like, no, we're going to give you trash and see what you can right, do. Right, because there's only maybe two or three quarterbacks that we, any of us would even believe don't need that. I think Tom Brady needs it at this point in his career. He obviously didn't for a lot of it. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers does or not. And the Packers today, and I think Aaron Rodgers is like, oh my God, this is going to be a long season for him. And then you look at Pat Mahomes when the Chiefs got rid of Tyreek Hill, but that's Pat Mahomes. I mean, there's not a lot of those quarterbacks out there. And I don't think anybody believes Dak is that level. He can be really good, but you got to give him weapons. You got to, you got to, and the fact that they just, it's so mind boggling to me, the, the decisions they made this offseason the way they tried to talk to all of us Cowboys fans, and all of us are sitting here, you and I for months, hell, on Friday, we laid out, this is what's going to happen. The offense is really going to struggle. 
And then it happened. I wasn't even surprised. And the the Joneses are like, oh, that's weird. Huh. <laughs> it's amazing. Right. So they're, they're either delusional or they know they're lying and they're, they're snake oil salesmaning us. And that is the type of thing that makes people want to walk away. If, if that's the case, it makes you want to walk away as a fan of the franchise. It could be some, some elements of both. Like, I don't, don't think that they are. I don't know that there's separate conversations. I mean, just stop lying to us. Like, like, I would rather, like, I will be here. The Cowboys fan base, I think, will hang around with you. If nothing else, they've proven that. But at some point, you just keep hearing this bullshit, and you're just like, man, maybe it's time for me to walk away from this thing and find someone else to root for. Well, I think they, I mean, see, I think they sell it. I think Jerry sells it because he believes it at the time. He convinces himself that it's true. Well, it goes back to that quote. Can see that, yeah. I mean, and I, that, I mean, I thought that was a pretty f- accurate quote from him because he does it all the time. Because we can look at it and see that this doesn't make sense. Right. And he can convince himself that it does. Yeah, and and then he's he's he literally asked all of us to believe that one plus one can equal three, and all of us are going, but it doesn't. It equals two. You saw tonight that it equals two, and now Jerry will have to come back and make well, shit. I uh, I guess one plus one does equal two. <laughs> This is going to be a rough season, man. This is going to be a really, really rough season. A really rough season. And I think the worst thing as a fan is when you lose all hope this early in the year. Oh, it's hard now. Like it's this hard. this is by far, like if Dak hadn't gotten hurt, we'd be having this conversation, but at least you could be like, okay, well, maybe there's a way, you know, let's give it another week. Let's see what happens. You play in the NFC East. You know, I'm still not convinced in Washington and the Giants. Maybe there's a way. With no Dak, there's no hope. Like, this, the season to me is over. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you're not wrong. You know, he's got to have surgery. Whether he's out six weeks, whether he's out eight weeks, that's, a, that's enough time for the season to crater. And then even when he comes back, he's got to get back into rhythm and speed of the game and all this other stuff. So, um, you know, bro, I don't have a lot of optimism there. It's uh, – it's gonna be a long season, man. Yes, a it long is. Season. It is, and it's really, really For the hard. Second time in three years. Yeah, and this is it. It's kind of wild too because you know Ed Werder had put this out on Twitter earlier today. Mike McCarthy now joins Dave Campo as the only coaches in franchise history to lose each of their first three season openers. That ain't the company you want to keep. Nope, because <laughs> he had three, five, and eleven years in a row and was done. And I'm I, this I'm like right now I'm going to tell you this Mike McCarthy, I am mad. I, I don't know maybe he won't last the year. Maybe they'll see you know towards the end when it's three and whatever they'll let him go and bring Dan Quinn down to take this over. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dan Quinn is the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. No, that wouldn't surprise me. Energetic in the building, knows the team, works well with the Joneses. Wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's creative. I don't think it's. Uh... I mean, I don't think it's a home run hire, but... No, because then what, what does it let them do? You hire Dan Quinn, and Kellen Moore stays as your offensive coordinator because Kellen Moore's not going to get a job after this season. Yeah, so, I mean, it keeps the, uh, you know, the stuff that they like to keep in place. Yep, in place. exactly. They don't like a lot of change. It seems like they do, but they really don't. No, and that's what I think is going to happen, to be honest. And so, the other little note that came out of this game... The last time the Cowboys scored fewer than six points in a season opener was the 89 season. The Aikman-Jimmy Johnson debut, which obviously ended in a 1-15 of year. So we'll see. No, I don't <laughs> think so. 
I think didn't they lose to San Francisco twenty eight to three? I don't know, man. But that's another one of those stats that Werder had put out. So I don't know. Uh, right. It seems like I remember them losing to San Francisco in the opener twenty eight to three. Oh, let's. I mean, we can check that. What year would that have been? Do you think? It's the year Romo was a quarterback because they went to the playoffs that year. That could have been 2014. 2014, let's see. Dallas Cowboys, and they went 12-4. and four. Look at you. They lost to San Francisco, but it was 28-17. to 17. Oh. oh, you know what it was? Hmm. They were down 28-3. to three. Okay. And then they scored too late. Well, there That's you go. Still, for being late, man, that was not bad pulling that one out of your butt. <laughs> Not bad at all, dude. <laughs> For real. Uh, all right, so before before we wrap this up, we got to tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions. And this is awesome because one of our listeners, Tyler Crooks out there, had tweeted us earlier this weekend. He said, just had a colonoscopy from my house from the best in the biz, HFX Foundation. And Aaron said all was good. A++ service and couldn't be any more transparent. Thanks for the recommendation. That's See, HFX Foundation Solutions, man. It doesn't get any better than that. And uh, it's, for, it's for the very reason you said. Now you got peace of mind. You ain't worried about it. Uh, you know, the Texas weather here is hard on the soil, which means it's hard on the foundation. All that rain we had a couple weeks ago could have made some things shift around. It's just for your peace of mind, man. Give Aaron and his team a call. Let them come out. Give your house what we lovingly call a colonoscopy for it. And just check it out and make sure it's all good, baby, because once it is, it's time to pop some bottles and have some fun. That's exactly right. You'll enjoy it. They will take care of you, man. Aaron and his crew, family-owned, they service the entire DFW area. So if you've got a question, you've been seeing some cracks, sticking doors, things like that, give them a call. Have them come out. It's a free, no-obligation inspection, 817-770-0174. You can check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. So some interesting things. There were some things I wanted to just take a quick look at. We got college football. We got the NFL. And there was a lot of NFL action, obviously, throughout the course of the week. But I got to tell you, some of the things that stood out to me, the yes. Bills and the Chiefs look on a different level from pretty much everybody else that was out there. I mean, they no Tyree Kill and Pat Mahomes was just distributing the ball all over the field was elite today against the Cardinals. And then obviously we talked about the Bills against the Rams with what Josh Allen brought. Those to me were the two best teams that I saw this weekend. But I got to tell you, man, the Eagles and A.J. Brown are going to be a problem. Now they, they have to figure out their run defense and I'm sure you can adjust that. But you look at the differences between the Cowboys and the Eagles. We just spent an hour telling you about all the crap about the Cowboys. The Eagles went out and decided to get better. They trade for A.J. Brown, who had 10 catches for 155 yards today, and they yep. signed James Bradbury, who the Giants let go of. The Cowboys could have signed him. Anybody could have had him. They signed James Bradbury, who had a pick six for them today in their secondary. I love their offseason. All the things I said I couldn't stand about the Cowboys offseason, I loved about the Eagles offseason because you could see them getting better at various positions. Um, that's why I picked them to win the division. Obviously, I wasn't the only one. But uh, they look good today, and I actually watched that game because uh, Dan Campbell has me intrigued about Detroit, and so uh, I watched a lot of that game. They fight, man, and DeAndre Swift, they, they ran the ball well. The other team that jumped out to me, and, and this was my pick because if you'll remember, I had Tampa and Minnesota in the NFC title game. Minnesota looks good. 
Minnesota looks like they finally got, because Zimmer was a defensive guy, and they right. bring in an offensive-minded head coach, and I thought you could see the effects. I mean, Justin Jefferson went bonkers today. You know, with Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook and their ability to do so many different things offensively, the defense, they and again, another player who I thought the Cowboys could have made an effort to sign in the offseason was Adarius Smith, who went out today and had, I think, a couple of sacks and was really disruptive against the Packers. And anybody could have had him. Bro, we talked about that, man. Yep. We talked about that. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys had their philosophy, man. It hadn't worked lately. Uh, they seem wedded to it, so we'll see. But, um, you know, I told you I, I liked Green Bay until about – and I picked Green Bay to win the North at, in the Dallas Morning News. And yeah. then almost as soon as I did that, I was like, Aaron Rodgers got a bunch of trash receivers. Dude, they're just – they're so young. Yeah. And while he's been able to elevate guys in the past, I mean, you have to have a certain level of talent for me to elevate. And they're just like, be a miracle worker, man. Make it happen. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know what? Maybe this is Minnesota's year. Because I was making that joke because I picked the Packers to win the division, but then I sit and picked the Minnesota to win the game in the paper. Because the more I thought about it, the more I thought the Vikings would be the better team today. Yeah, and they were. And Green Bay, I mean, you could see the frustration with Aaron Rodgers. And I mentioned that earlier. The receivers are just young, and they don't have that experience with them. And that's going to be a problem. How quickly can they catch up? You know, much like we talked about with the Cowboys offense and all these young guys, cool, you believe in these young kids. Well, how quickly can they adjust and become what you think they can be? Because you may be looking at it and be like, well, cool, now you guys, we can use you, but we're 0-8, so it doesn't matter. So we'll see. You know, I, I thought uh, the Chargers looked good today. Uh, Cincinnati, who started 0-1 with the weird game there against Pittsburgh, and Joe Burrow, who was not very good today, threw four interceptions. But when you throw it 53 times, you know, what do you expect? So we'll see because you don't – see, that's another thing. If Joe Burrow threw four interceptions in week one, I doubt he's going to throw that many in week two against the Cowboys. <laughs> and Jamar Chase still went off for 10 and 129 and was uncoverable. Yeah, I mean, they got a, they got a good offense. They got a multifaceted offense. But, you know, when the Cowboys play this year, man, I don't really think it's about the other team's offense. It's about – whether the Cowboys offense can do anything to keep them in the game. Because Cowboys defense uh, was hardly perfect today. Uh, but they'll be better next week. Yeah. And uh, they'll they'll make some plays and they'll do some things and they'll give you a shot. But if you can't take advantage of it, does it really matter? No, it doesn't matter. But outside of that, around the NFL, I mean, that, that's kind of what stood out to me. And again, like week one for me, and I had said this before, even after tonight, if Dak was healthy, I'd be in a different mindset because, like, well, let me see. I told everybody, I'm going to let me get two games in. Let's see, okay, it was this bad. What types of adjustments? Is there anything we can do? Let us get two games. But with no Dak, it doesn't. Again, the season's done. I don't even care. But for all these teams, like a lot of things in the week one of the NFL, it's not just Dallas who doesn't play their starters in the preseason. No, but, it's everybody. Right. Like, it's and, most and, almost everybody. So you see a lot of these teams where there's a little bit of clunkiness and a little bit of rust, and guys are getting back into the swing of things. So I don't put too much in week one, but when you see a team like a Buffalo or a Kansas City come out and do what they did, where you're like, damn. So you guys didn't like need any adjusting, and you're just ready to go. That's impressive. I, I think that's impressive. But all in all, you know, there's not any teams that really I thought – 
outside of the Cowboys, like San Francisco is an example. San Francisco it was in a monsoon in Chicago. They lost to a Bears team that a lot of people thought wouldn't be any good this year. I still think San Francisco is going to be okay. It's just one week. Right. I would agree with that assessment in general. Like, I don't overreact unless it's Dallas because I know them intimately. And I know them a lot better than I know other teams in the league. But I do know that, uh, you know, everybody who went on one, there's, there'll be stories written this week. Well, if you go on two, you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. Uh, and that's really not true. You just have to not be out of the race. And they got an additional wild card team this year. So you can still right. be in the race and be in the hunt. You just can't, I mean, you just can't fall too far behind and have to overcome too many teams and win too many games at the end. Yeah, and, and we've gone through this before. Like a lot of the time when the Cowboys schedule would come out, we take a look at it and go, this is a league of quarterbacking. And if you believe in the quarterback, how many opportunities will you have where you have the, the better quarterback in the game? And all of a sudden that becomes a real question when you look at the Cowboys schedule with Cooper Rush. Like let's say if, if it's several weeks, would it make sense that Dak would come back for the game at Green Bay because that's coming back after the bye? And that would mean he is missing the first, the next seven games, which is several weeks. And so if that's the case, and he can come back that first game in November, you know, you look at this, you give Joe Burrow the edge. Right. Daniel Jones? I, I, I don't I, I Probably. He's better than Cooper Rush. Right? Yeah. You know, Carson Wentz? Matt Stafford? Uh, push. Stafford's definitely better. Jalen Hurts on the road at Philadelphia. Hurts is better. Jared Goff. Mm, he's probably better. And Justin Fields with Chicago. Uh, I don't know. See, so it gives you hope that maybe you're two and six. Maybe you pick up a couple of wins there before the bye hits and you go on the road to Green Bay and perhaps Dak can come back for that. I, but again, I, I, I would not be surprised if they're 0-8. I, just because this offense, you are asking the defense to give you short fields so that you, you or do what they did tonight and hope that the offense can at least get into field goal range. Or you're going to take a nail. <laughs> yes. And that's why, I mean. The offense can't do anything. Like, my God, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I look at some of these teams and some of the weapons that some of these teams have. I just don't know. I really, really don't know. And I, I'm going from this idea. I, I think that they might be 0-8, 1-7 when they hit the bye. Damn. That'd be depressing. It would be, but I, I say that, and again, as we've tried to paint the picture all night on this damn podcast, what changes? You just got worse off on offense because Cooper Rush is now your quarterback. And the offense that we saw could only give you three points? Bro. I mean, that's reality. So, <laughs> look, the other thing, I wanted to throw this out there before we wrap things up because Texas and Alabama, that was one of the most stunning things I've seen and I watch a lot of college football. And as many of you know, I mean, I cover Alabama. I watch all the Bama games. I, I'm very familiar with how they do things. That is the worst game that I've ever seen Alabama play in the Nick Saban era. Well, it's all the penalties. They had like, what, 15, 16 of them? 15 penalties. They couldn't get anything going. It looked like the Cowboys, quite honestly, because they converted a couple of third downs, penalty. Now, instead, it's third and 15, and now you don't convert it. And they had some op they had opportunities where they had pinned Texas down, penalty, keeping a Texas drive alive. Texas did look better. Their defense looked much better. 
but they got so much help from Alabama, like, like just unbelievable amount of help. Alabama looked, quite honestly, and, and I've never seen this with the Saban team, they looked unprepared for the environment of which they were in. Huh. Is this a young team? It's not a young team. No. I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons that they had a lot of guys that returned last for this year, but they rarely ever play at 11 a.m. That's very rare for them. I don't know that they've ever played in the heat like they played in. And Will Anderson said after the game that that was the loudest environment he's ever played football in. Really? And you could tell they couldn't hear each other. There's 105,000 people at DKR. It was an all-time record, most fans ever to attend a Longhorns game. Well, give uh, Texas's wine and cheese crowd the standing no doubt, ovation. I was, uh, I was blown away. Up and showed up. I was blown away by that. And the, you kept waiting for Alabama to drop the hammer. And then they, they broke that 81-yard touchdown run. You're like, okay, here it comes. And it never happened. And some of the problems with Alabama that even I glossed over because you give Alabama the benefit of the doubt at this point, right. their wide receiver group, they haven't had anybody who's really emerged. And it's obvious they don't have that level that they thought that they had. Their, their offensive line is still shaky. And the one question that everybody had with Alabama going into the season was their secondary. They've got a good safety who will be a first-round pick, but they're corners, and you saw this against Texas. Texas wide receivers were able to get separation from their corners, and Texas has got speed and good skill position players. Right. And you just kind of wonder, I mean, there were four blatant penalties the refs didn't call. The Bryce Young scramble on a third down that led to their game-winning field goal. I mean, you can go back and watch it. Their, their, their right tackle had a fistful of jersey that was being extended from the uniform of the Texas defender. Somehow they don't call a hold on that. But, Jeez. you know, whatever. So Texas, you know, Texas is ranked now. They lost and they're ranked because they played the number one team in the country to a last-second field goal. And if a better refereeing crew shows up, probably wins. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get injured in the first quarter... Texas probably beats Alabama. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Ewers, that was a huge loss. Uh, I was glad he was playing well. There's so much hype. You always like to see if guys can can uh, can play to the hype machine. Um, but uh, this is what I want from Texas. Okay, he played a great game. He gave Alabama all they wanted. They they, they were like, let's get the hell up out of here. You don't even got a shower. Just go hop on the bus. Yeah. Let's go. Um, can Texas bring that every week? And if so... They'd be just fine. You know, that problem is, you know, over the last few years is they have too many dates where yeah. they relax or they don't come out with the same intensity or whatever. So it's can you bring that same effort, that same performance against the other teams you face? And if so, you know, they may win another. I mean, they may only lose another one game this year. Yeah, and you got UTSA, which UTSA is a good team now. I mean, you can't overlook them. Then they go on the road to Texas Tech in Lubbock, and then they play West Virginia at home before they play against <coughs> Oklahoma. And they are saying that Quinn Ewers has a clavicle sprain and will be out for a few weeks. Should find out maybe more on that timetable as the week progresses. He's going to miss the next three games. So there is an outside shot I was reading that he might be ready to go by the Oklahoma game, but Hudson Card's going to be the quarterback now. Hudson Card was a starter at the beginning of last year. He was ineffective, so they replaced him with Casey Thompson. But it's like, I had a lot of Texas, we've seen this guy, he's trash. I was like, you saw a guy making like his first collegiate start who was overwhelmed and didn't right. play with the amount of talent Texas has now behind a worse offensive line. So he has more experience now. He's still, people forget this. 
Hudson Card was the number two dual threat rated quarterback in his class behind Bryce Young. He's a high leveled quarterback. I mean, it's not some trash guy that was like a three star. Hmm. Now, he's not Quinn yeah. Ewers. He doesn't have the arm of Quinn Ewers. But it'll be interesting to see if he can hold it down and accomplish some of those things because it's obvious this Texas defense is much better than what... And see, I had that question because last week against Louisiana Monroe, they shut them down and Monroe couldn't run. But then you talk... Like, I had a couple people that covered Texas. Craig Way was on the show last week and there was right. kind of that idea, yeah, but it's Louisiana Monroe and it's hard to know how much better this defense really is. But right. that was Alabama, and they they really showed up and and made life and confused the hell out of Alabama, and that was a legit performance from the defense. So we'll nah, see. Man. They were they were terrific. It was a great game. I uh, I watched uh, most of it. I think. Oh my god! It was. I mean, it got to a point where I believed, and I was like, "Who gives a shit?" Obviously, my prediction is way off. So come on, baby, let's win this thing. <laughs> but I, uh, I I felt like most people they gave them too much time at the end. Yeah, and I knew it too, man. I was like, because you could see Alabama had started coming alive in the fourth quarter and they were moving the ball and they weren't, they stopped making dumbass penalties so they could sustain drives. And then Bryce Young was humming and right there at the end of the game, it just too much. And they got help. They did. They got help from the refs. That was an obvious safety with intentional grounding. And they even told Sark on the sideline, he said after the game, since they didn't call intentional grounding, you can't go back and review it and then call the penalty. So they just didn't call it. Even though, I mean, it was just like weird little things like that, that that didn't help. But at the end of the day, what can you do? I think if you're a Texas fan, it was such a step in the right direction. I didn't even care that they lost. It, it was amazing that they played them the way they did. If, well, now you just want to sustain and build right, on it. Right, and, and that was my thing is beat Tech, beat West Virginia. You know, and then we'll, let's see what happens in the Oklahoma game. Stop losing to Kansas. Stop losing to the teams in the conference that you are way more talented than. You know, yeah. Baylor lost to BYU on Saturday night. That wasn't a surprise to me at all. Baylor was colossally overrated. I didn't get why they were a top 10 team to start the season. And BYU, I think, exposed a little bit of that. So Baylor fell down. And the other team that I tried to tell people was overrated that I did not get the hype on was Texas A&M who lost at home. They lost at home to Appalachian State, who's a good, a really good group of five team. The Aggies have a problem on offense. I mean, they have a serious problem on offense. Haynes King it. is not a good passer. Yeah. I was going to say, do they have a problem on offense or they got a problem at quarterback? Well, it's a problem on offense because the offensive line is not as good as they need it to be. And so the run game struggles and Haynes King is not accurate overthrows misses throws his ball placement like and there's a difference like you can have a receiver who's open and you can throw it where he has to catch it on his hip so instead it's a tackle immediately and if you had led him it's a touchdown because he has separation you know like little things like that that he is just right. his his pinpoint accuracy with the ball is just not there he's thrown a couple of picks already this year like i don't know what the deal is it's, it's like jimbo fisher is an offensive mind, and this is just a stagnant, average SEC offense. And Appalachian State went into that game yesterday and ran the play clock down every single play and just methodically kept the ball away from A&M, and A&M couldn't do anything. No, man, they had four drives and more than 10 plays and almost six minutes on each of those. I mean, they scored 14 doubled points. Up, that was it. Doubled up their plays. Yeah. I mean, they 
poor performance from the Aggies. Yes, and now <laughs> they, they, they and it's, it, it is. And they have plummeted in the rankings. And this is a real problem for A&M because they play Miami next, and then they play Arkansas. Miami is higher ranked than them. I am a big believer in Miami. I think I thought that was a game that we'd learn a lot about A&M against anyway. Arkansas right now is better than that A&M team. And there is a real chance if you don't fix this crap for Miami, you could be staring at one and three going into Bryant-Denny to take on Alabama. Oh, I think a lot of people will fix their stuff this 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 next two or three weeks. But yeah, I don't I don't shed no tears for the Aggies. So whenever they lose, I think it's funny. It is funny, man. And and <laughs> you gotta think you you're better than Miami. That's a damn. Miami's got the better offense. Miami's got the better where's, quarterback. Where's that game at? Kyle Field. It's at Kyle Field, and you know, and that's the thing. Appalachian State went into Kyle Field and beat this Aggie team. That was a number six team in the country that, for whatever reason, people thought could make the playoff. I was like, what are you? They're not going to make the playoff. Watch them play. I mean, come on. They're, they're a year away, and Jimbo has to show that he can develop the talent. Jimbo Fisher has recruited well. He's in his fifth year. You shouldn't be losing games like that. Nope. For the money, he, it's like Dak Prescott. For the money they're paying Jimbo Fisher, you should not be losing games at home to group of five schools. Should not happen. Period in the conversation. And it is. And it's a problem. And they're going to lose to Arkansas. At best, they'll be two and two. And then we'll see what happens going into Bryant-Denny on the road. Alabama's not losing that game. Alabama will fix shit and they'll be at home. I, the Aggies are going to be two and three after five games. And so if you're on your way to another eight and four season, what are you supposed to do? It's amazing. Nothing. But I know Jimbo will be the coach next year because yeah, yeah. he's making. Yeah, they're not going to buy him out. <laughs> it's like $85 million buyout, man. Yeah, you can't. So you just got to suffer through it. Yeah, and you got to hope because what, what this is starting to look like to me is similar to what, and it not nearly as bad, so I'm not saying that, but it's similar to Tom Herman at Texas where he recruited really well, but he couldn't develop it to make a difference on the field. And it feels like Jimbo Fisher is starting to look that way. And he's just been given the benefit of the doubt, even though he went eight and four last year. And now you, you start looking at this and you go, okay, at some point, if you're an Aggie, I would think you want results on the field and they are not getting them. Nope. And neither are the Cowboys, my friend. And that's a podcast. So I don't know we'll, we'll see. We'll be back with you. We'll have another episode coming your way on Wednesday. We'll learn more. We'll take a look at this thing. We'll see if we can get Arch or, or Chill on or something. There's, maybe there's some way somewhere out there where there's a positive coming. I don't know what it is. Let's sleep on it and see how we feel in the morning. Sounds good. We'll be back later in the week. Love you all. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.